welcome to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic podcast associated with the medium publication of the same name. We explore the future with a recurring focus on climate change, technologies which are transforming our world, and a side helping of politics and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. That scary moment when an AI velociraptor learns to open doors. What does plastic dinosaur have to do with a robotic hand that can solve Rubik's Cube? Plastic dinosaur's normal living space is a big warehouse with a lot of interesting features for it to clamber over and peer behind. But it's noticed that the bipeds he shares the space with come and go through parts of the barriers that contain him. He's noticed that they can swing part of the barrier open, pass through the opening, and then the barrier closes behind them. He's seen spaces behind the barriers that he hasn't explored yet. Plastic Dinosaur wanders over to the door, peering at things as he goes to see if anything more interesting shows up. Nothing does, and he's at the barrier. There's a feature on the barrier, a horizontal piece that sticks out. Plastic Dinosaur peers closely at it sniffs it, and nudges it with its nose. He pushes it this way and that, seeing some movement, but nothing happens. He fails to get past the barrier. He starts getting hungry. That is, his battery charge is getting low. Off-plastic dinosaur trots to his charging block, where he settles down and starts dreaming. He dreams a thousand virtual paralyzed dreams of the barrier and the horizontal bar, pushing it this way and that, pulling it this way and that, rotating it, uses hands and nose and tail, and in one of them, it turns and the barrier opens. Plastic dinosaur's charging is over. He stops dreaming and wakes up, still curious about what is behind the barrier. So off he goes, and this time, plastic dinosaur reaches out with his paw, fumbles at the door lever, and opens the door. Plastic dinosaur walks through into a space he's never seen before, shrieking ensues. Plastic Dinosaur has learned to open doors. This is an article in the series David Clement and I are collaborating on regarding the state of the art of neural networks and machine learning using a fictional robotic velociraptor as a fun foil. The first article dealt with its body, the second its neural network brains, the third with attention loops and features and how they can be used to train a neural network, and the fourth with potentially adverse effects of simple pattern matching in the form of the Velociraptor Velociraptor becoming terrified of white people. Suffice it to say that he's a sensor-laden, lithium-iron battery-powered, induction-charged, aluminum and plastic robot wrapped in smart fabric, and that he's run by three neural networks. The first is cerebellum net, which pays attention to the inside of his body, controls his motion, just as our autonomic nervous system and cerebellum control ours. The second is amygdala net, which replicates the fight or flight, uh, emotions, especially fear, and unconscious decision-making of our amygdala. The third is curious net, which pays attention to the world outside of his body and is wired to explore new things and identify them. This article is a deeper dive into the dreaming model introduced in the second piece, which defines cerebellum net, amygdala net, and curious net. That concept of a virtual simulation with high-speed Monte Carlo attempts to achieve a desired outcome is key to this conceptual model. 
When David and I were discussing this early on, we had different intellectual positions about evolutionary simulation for robots. His premise was that evolution would have to be recreated with accreting functions and capabilities, basically with life evolving in simulation from single-celled to multi-celled to vertebrate structures in order for an integrated mechanism, integrated organism to be created. My premise was that a highly sensor-laden and physically constrained object could be created both physically and virtually with high degrees of fidelity, allowing for evolution of control, but not form. He may very well be, be right for anything which evolves consciousness and sophisticated behaviors, but for the plastic dinosaur series, we agreed to my constraints, partly because an AI-driven velociraptor is much more engaging than watching single-celled organisms divide for most people. And he had form with this simulation, meet TRPO. For those looking at the article, there's a video of a small mannequin that is evolving over time to learn to stand. After 50,000 iterations of the simulation uh, of the algorithm, the mannequin can mostly stand and get back up again when he falls over. That's an implementation of Shulman and Levine's Trust Region Policy Optimization, or TRPO. They used it to create ongoing improvements in swimming, walking, hopping, and playing Atari video games, of all things. Like Subsumption, David internalized it by recreating their work with a simple human form and running the simulation to have it stand. He put simple constraints of angles of rotation in the joints, established the goal, and let it run. This is what dreaming looks like for Plastic Dinosaur. A thousand virtual PDs trying a thousand different things a thousand different times until the virtual is good enough to be decanted into the physical. These simulations are trivial in comparison to full-scale atmospheric model, modeling and executable and common and reasonably priced hardware available today, including just by renting cycles from AWS or Azure for a few hundred dollars for two months of massively parallelized supercomputing G GPU. But the kicker is the Rubik's Cube. I brute forced my way through the countless experiments necessary to learn the cube with my own uh, neural net inside my skull without, side, without outside guidance in grade 11 because I liked being my head against brick walls and math was boring. I managed to get under 70 seconds, which is glacially slow by speed cubing standards, but I was happy with it. A lot more people have picked up the cube and put it down without ever solving it than not. And the number of people who can do it one-handed is even smaller. But the world record is about eight seconds. Speed solving is a high memorization process like chess, but it's not the solution that's interesting. It's the incredibly complex hand. We rarely think about our hands, but there are 27 bones in each. They are capable of remarkable degrees of movement and are one of the most sensor-laden components of our bodies. They've evolved to remarkable degrees of competence, and speed cubers and magicians constantly amaze us with the art of what is possible with them. So once again, solving the cube isn't the interesting part of this, although it's a neat trick. It's getting a human hand equivalent to do it one-handed. For those reading the article, there's another video inserted here from OpenAI. Watching that video, you'll see them training a virtual hand that is identical in constraints to a physical robotic hand with reinforcement learning and their innovation of automated, automatic domain randomization performed tens of thousands of times in the virtual for every attempt in the physical, 
Then in the physical, they start interfering with the hand with, among other things, a stuffed giraffe. And they succeed. They solve Rubik's Cube. There are two pieces to unpack here. The first is reinforcement learning. This is the reward mechanism for positive outcomes. It's used widely, but came to global prominence with AlphaGo. That's the alphabet-acquired DeepMind company's neural net solution that beats everybody at Go, including world masters with decades of playing experience. It's a much harder game than chess, and also unlike chess, you can't memorize your way to success. It's used in a variety of domains. Among other things, Google is using reward the um, reinforcement learning mechanism to make their data centers more energy efficient. The second is automatic domain randomization. Uh, in OpenAI's case, the team kept changing the physical rules as the virtual and physical simulations got better on the easiest cases. They made the cubes heavier and lighter and made them rotate more and less smoothly. In the physical, they put a rubber glove over the hand, dropped scraps of paper on it, and nudged it with a stuffed giraffe to explore the limits of its ability to focus on the task through increasing degrees of noise. This is the equivalent of the massive, massively virtual parallel attempts that Plastic Dinosaur makes to solve problems. Every time he fails to achieve an objective, the next time he sleeps, he dreams a bunch of dreams that allow him to improve. And conceptually, because his reinforcement learning includes getting more efficient at things, he'll become smoother at opening doors as time passes too. The Rubik's Cube solving robotic hand is still not perfect. It succeeds most of the time, drops the cube sometimes, and isn't as fast as human cubers. But this is an incredibly sophisticated degree of control over the robotic facsimile of the most sophisticated physical manipulator on our bodies, and it's solving Rubik's Cube. It's also showing the state of the art. That's one hand, replicated in virtual and physical, doing one task that's highly modeled already. That took 2.5 years. And it has two neural networks compared to PD's hypothetical three. The concept of automatically instantiating multiple parallel simulations automatically based upon recorded sensor data and spinning through a lot of variations is considerably more sophisticated in a couple of different ways. But it's easy to see where that might be an accessible target. The Rubik's Cube model suggests that a lot more than three neural networks would be required, which is something David and I agree on, but have limited for the sake of the fictional to FOIL. Another interesting question that arises is how it would choose what to simulate. Think about your daily routine as you walk through the world, encountering dozens of doors of dozens of weights with dozens of different door mechanisms, including automatic ones. Think about a paper coffee cup versus a ceramic one versus a glass one with a serviette around it. Think about encountering an out-of-service escalator and walking up the unusual height steps or another set of steps that due to architectural and aesthetic choices are different in depth and tread width. We adapt incredibly quick, quickly and smoothly, exploring the absurd variants of the physical world without really noticing how clever we are. Until we try to imagine it, Imagine doing it with neural nets and a robotic velociraptor. You have been listening to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic view of climate change, transformative technologies, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. 
These podcasts are available from the Medium publication of the same name, Anchor FM, and other podcast sites. Let us know that you are enjoying us via Claps and Medium, and tell us what you'd like us to cover next.